Welcome to the MS Gym Podcast, where we give you the tools to live life by design, not by diagnosis. I'm your host, Brooke Slick, and here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the episode I've been dying to bring to you all. It's all about the use of canes and trekking poles, and most importantly, the advantages or disadvantages of using one or the other. And yes, believe it or not, there are huge differences in these two modes of assistance. Luckily for us, today we have access to the wisdom and professional insight of Trevor Wicken, founder of the MS Gym, to break it all down for us. I think it's important to point out that though many of you may know him as Coach Trevor, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Trevor holds a bachelor's degree in sports medicine and a master's degree in exercise physiology and biomechanics. His education and his 21 plus years of professional experience are steeped in biomechanical analysis, neurologic strength training, and neuroplasticity, to name a few of his specialties. I cannot think of a better resource to give us advice on how, when, and which assistive device we should be using. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MS Gym Podcast. I am so excited today. I have a special guest, you know, not your typical guest. He is the man, the myth, the legend. Trevor Wicken, founder of the MS Gym, next to impossible to get a hold of. So I feel blessed to have even just a few moments with the crazy busy man that we all yeah. know and love. So yeah, well, welcome, Coach Trev. Thank you, Brooke. Um, it's good to be here. Um, I actually want to do more podcasts. I just, you know, I, I was on the bottom of the list. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> um, no, man, I want to talk to my peeps. So. No, it's good. I'm I'm happy to be on here. Uh, part of my my New Year's kind of 2022 is to, to connect more with people, kind of get out and you know educate, educate, educate because we have such an awesome. You know, I spent the last year and a half updating the entire MS gym, every program, every video. Like I think there was some, there was over 1,400 videos that I either shot, updated, redid, re-edited. Uh, along with the text, along with the PDF. So my team and I, like, that's all we've been doing for a year and a half. And now it's time to really show people how to get the most out of it and really go find people with MS that are still wondering what the heck I need. Like, how am I going to move better? How am I going to be better? How am I going to live better? And maybe they haven't had the opportunity to find us yet. So, um, so this is cool. This would be fun. Awesome. Well, today we are going to discuss canes versus trekking poles and not really versus like which one's better than the other just looking at both options and uh, i'm a trekking pole user i started with one and now i use two thanks to the ms gym and (laughs) who would have who would have ever known that i would feel so much more secure using two Mm -hmm. um and it just makes a whole lot more sense so i basically in my mind, and correct me if I'm wrong, out of the plethora of mobility devices, whether it's cane, walker, wheelchair, a cane is usually the first thing that somebody who's having difficulty with mobility, people with MS in particular, they're going to reach for a cane. You know, that's that's what right. comes to your mind first. Maybe I need to be considering a cane. A lot of people go without them that should have them. That's another thing. And they put it off for a long time. You know, of course, the stigma, which still exists of using mobility devices. But I'm happy to say that there are a lot of people out there 
in on social media who are debunking that and yeah. normalizing the use of mobility aids, which thrills me to no end. I'd like to think I'm one of those people who's trying to normalize those, you know, in the yeah. public eye. So at what point in, in somebody's mobility story, should they be reaching for the use of a cane? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the first thing, first off, I just want to say this is that for all you guys out there that have MS, that have disabilities, even people that have, you know, in addition to, uh, you know, people listening that have Parkinson's and brain injuries and, you know, amputees. And I mean, we have so many people with different conditions in the MS gym now, like they're just coming in because there's no other place that people are getting help. Disability discrimination is never okay. It's not something you control. You didn't choose this. And I know it's hard and I know it's, it can really mess you up emotionally. It can make you feel embarrassed and shamed and everything else. Fact of the matter is, is like, if somebody's going to shame you because you are walking on a cane and using an assistive device or whatever else, like they have really big problems that they need to address and that you don't need to take those on. So I, I have a hard time with that because to me, it's a form of bullying. It's a form of discrimination and I just don't handle that well. And so you guys are safe here in the MS gym. You're safe here with Brooke, like, and Brooke, you are someone who's normalizing, you know, working through a healing journey because that's what this is. You know, um, you can't control it. You didn't ask for it, but you're trying your darndest to heal your body, live a normal life and show others that they can do it too. Like what greater act of altruism, service, compassion, encouragement, and love can you, can you expand? So I appreciate you for what you do. And just let you guys know, like you are safe. There are safe places for you to go in and just be you with people that understand. Exactly. Yeah. So I really think, you know, the scariest part about MS and any other neuro condition is when you start to feel uneasy, when you start to feel out of balance, out of control, disconnected from your body and not confident with your, your vehicle, which is your human movement system. And when you start to trip more, your foot, your foot catches on things, you lose your balance. I would say consistently, like anywhere from probably two, three, two to five times a week, you're losing your balance. That's something to really pay attention to. Like every now and then, like I fall, I trip and fall sometimes too. Like I have foot drop from my Lyme disease. And when I'm, when I'm stressed out, when I'm, when I'm tired, when I'm, when I've eaten something bad, like my left foot will catch and I'll know like I've got to do some breathing stuff. I've got to get my body right. No crap in my diet for the next week, because it's a neurologic symptom saying, dude, there's something going on, like clean out the tank, so to speak, you know? Right. But if you, if you notice that, and then you make the necessary adjustments to kind of get yourself right, you know, stretch, move, eat, all that kind of stuff. And it it starts to get kind of like, this has happened like three or four times this week. That's something to start looking at. All right. So that's, that's when I think a mobility device, maybe like would probably be a smart move for when you're having off days and you guys are in your bodies 24 hours a day and you're going to know if you're feeling okay or if you're not feeling okay, probably within the first couple minutes of you getting up in the morning. Right. right? And right. you're going to know, like you're so dialed into, uh-oh, here's a little bit of a flare or uh, my body's not doing well or I'm, I'm past my neurologic reserve, which we call neural edge in the MS gym where it's like my brain and my body just don't feel good. I'm cog foggy. My bladder's acting weird today. My hand's a little more spastic. Like, those are days when your brain is struggling. And those are days when something like an assistive device would be very beneficial because it, what it does, it's not a defeat. It doesn't mean, oh, I'm having a bad day. I need help. 
I would like you guys to, to flip the script on that being like, well, I do need help, but like, let's, let's give my brain a safer environment so that maybe it can write itself a little bit. Cause something wonky is going on in my body. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I have really encouraged people to look at assistive devices as that, like I'm assisting you or this device is assisting me in creating a safer environment for my nervous system so that I don't get as exhausted. My, this, this little warning signal doesn't turn into a full out flare up or relapse. And maybe just giving your body a little bit of assistance for a sec or like two or three hours, maybe uh, we've seen a lot of gymmers all of a sudden flip it. And then by the afternoon, they're good because they kind of check their ego and their pride in that false lie of it being shameful for you to use an assistive device to allow their brain to chill out. So by the time they get to the afternoon or even that next day, they're like, I feel like 10 times better. Well, that's because you allowed your brain to feel safe, secure, and confident and not allow it to go into this panic mode and this chaos, which we call the threat bucket, where it's overflowing, being like, warning, 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 something's going on. Let's shut everything down and make you sit in a chair or lay in a bed because that's the safest place to be. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Now, I know you are a big proponent of trekking poles. Yeah. You're, you're, you're the, as I think I said before, you're the reason why I started using two trekking poles instead of one. And I felt more confident and saved so much energy doing so. You know, I don't end up exhausted after a day of shopping uh, just because my body wasn't working as hard to stay upright. You know, Correct. and yeah. to keep my balance, I, I was having, it, it was like walking along with two people holding my hands, but mm-hmm. it's actually trekking poles and it's keeping me balanced. Mm-hmm. What, what do you have to say about trekking poles and why do you love, love them so much? Mm-hmm. The whole body, the body is built symmetrically, right? Unless for some reason you were walking around like an amputee or you had a, an, a, like a congenital condition where you don't have a limb, right? Yeah. Um, and, you, and you have one leg that you're using. Like for most people, the body is built symmetrically and the, the brain is designed symmetrically so that there is counteracting forces in the brain that allow you to stand upright, that allow you to resist gravity. Like we are one of the only bipedal organisms, meaning on two feet, the only bipedal organisms on the planet. And it's a really, really hard thing for your body to be able to stand upright and hold yourself against things and counteract things like gravity and elevation changes and surface changes and momentum, right? You're in your, your brain, one of the, the major functions of your vestibular system, which is your balance centers is to not allow you to fall. It's preventing falls. It's counteracting gravity and momentum all the time, right? So when you start to get disruptions in that vestibular system, symmetrical bodies go to asymmetrical disruptions and it throws everything off and your brain freaks out. All right. Mm -hmm. So when you use trekking poles, you actually go from a two-legged organism to a four-legged organism, right? Because you have two poles that are contacting the ground and you have two feet that are contacting the ground. Like if you look at a table, most tables have four legs. Yeah right? But even the tables that have three legs, they're built in a triangle for a reason, because an equilateral triangle distributes forces equally amongst those three angles. But with canes, you don't, you don't walk around in a, in a triangle type format. 
it's a, it's an like a right side or an isosceles triangle. Like there's one big vector this way, and then there's two other vectors this way. So your whole center of mass gets shifted over into that cane arm. And when that happens, your body constantly feels like it's, let's say my cane's in my right hand, your body constantly feels like it's falling to the right. Yep. And so therefore things from a mechanical standpoint get shortened on the right. Things mm -hmm. on the left side get lengthened, right? You get lengthened things on the left, you get shortened things on the right. So then you're building asymmetrical or uneven walking patterns, movement patterns, processing patterns, sensory integration and motor into your brain, which practiced over and over and over again, lead to a, an asymmetrical, inefficient biomechanical setup. It's yeah. not good. It's like going from driving on four wheels to driving on the back two. And this one, like you always replace a tire that's flat. You don't keep driving on it. Right. Right. So with right. trekking poles, what happens is you take a tripod and you turn it into a quadruped. So you have four points of contact on the ground. So your brain actually feels the ground contact in your hands. And it's like, oh, I have an entire other set of legs that are going right. to help prevent me from falling over. Right. So your brain's number one job is survival. You don't want to fall on your, you your brain doesn't want you to fall on your face, fall on your back, fall on your hip, whatever it might be. And con and, and possibly break something, injure something, sever something or die, you know? And so when you create more base of support or points of contact on the ground, the brain feels more confident, more stable, more safe. And then therefore it's not in this constant state of, oh my gosh, we're going to die. So then you have more neurologic reserve and more availability to focus on moving correctly without symptoms because your brain doesn't have all this other noise out here saying, we're going to fall, we're going to fall, we're going to fall, we're going to fall. Yeah. So you going from even one trekking pole, which is kind of like a cane, right? So right. same similar format right. to four, your brain to chill out enough that you could then practice all the stuff that you've been learning in the MS gym, like walking with blades down, walking very tall, holding your abs in swinging your leg forward because your brain's like, Oh, cool. I feel so much more stable. Yeah. I'm not going to fall. So my protective reflexes chill out so that I can actually perform the, the wanted movement that I'm actually wanting to get better or I'm wanting to improve on. So that's why I'm a fan of, of trekking poles is because the body craves symmetry and the body craves evenness. And the body craves safety and stability, which four points of contact versus two does for you. And correct me if I'm wrong, but when you use a cane, and I don't know if I heard this from you or I read it somewhere or what, but it makes total sense to me. When you're using a cane, there will always be one point in, in your gate where you are, you have nothing protecting you because you're lifting up the cane like you're on your own, like you're, you're, you're not touching anything that's helping you like, cause you constantly have to lift up the cane, but you don't have that other side. You only have unilateral support as opposed to bilateral support. So over and over and over in your walking chain, there's this one step where you have no support at all because right. you're only, I mean, is that correct? Yes. And yes, that is totally correct. Is that you only have one point of support and 
with an unstable vestibular system and visual system and basically what's called vestibular spinal tract activation, which happens with any sort of central nervous system disruption, you pick up that cane and there's that moment where there's one point of contact. So you go from three points of contact to basically one point of contact as you're picking up your leg in the cane and your body's like, crap, I'm going to fall. So then you are in a constant state of falling forward. And the only thing stopping you from landing on your face is driving your arm down into the cane, which then shoves it up into your neck, which makes your neck having to reflexively stabilize, which makes your hips go wonky, your spine go wonky, your ankles go wonky. So you're in this constant state of falling with necessary impact because you're not controlling yourself, right? Yeah. And it's not your fault. It's just that the demyelination and the neurologic disruption that happens from MS is causing that. And then you're imposing, not you, but if you're choosing to use a cane, unfortunately, that's imposing an asymmetrical, very dangerous movement pattern where you're in this constant state of fight or flight because you're like, I don't know what I'm going to miss or I'm going to fall or my shoulder is going to give out and I'm going to land on my face. Yeah. Landing on your face is the worst thing for your brain, like head trauma and hitting your head is the, is what it tries to avoid at all costs, you know? So again, when you, when you have trekking poles, you all, as you swing the opposite pole and the opposite leg forward, which is how you should walk. Right. Right. Um, Which is not needs to be learned because a lot of people brains don't know how to do that. You always have two points of contact on the ground. Yes. In theory, the brain's like, I'm never at one point of contact because that doesn't feel safe for me. So you're always adding those two points of contact. So you either have two points of contact or four points of contact at any given moment. Right. You have a little bit of a, like what I call a galloping trekking pole gate. You kind of go from four points of contact, two points of contact, three points of contact, four points of contact, because there's like this delay where someone would put both hands down as their legs swinging forward. And that's cool. That's part of the motor programming and the motor learning that has to happen when you're actually restoring gate patterns of symmetry. And that happens from right to left and right to left on opposite sides of your body, right? So your left arm functions with your right hip, right arm functions with your left hip and trekking poles are an amazing way for you to actually restore that gate patterning in your human movement system, which is how your body's designed. When you look at the kinetic chain myofascial slings, you have vertical, horizontal, lateral, and then you have a bunch of X's in your body to help transfer force from side to side. That's what allows us to walk. That's what allows us to ambulate. That's what allows us to run. And when you take that away and you create asymmetry in a symmetrically designed uh, system, you're actually, you're, you're, you're kind of disrupting and you're sabotaging that system, right? So you're absolutely right. Like your body freaks out because it's about to fall. Right. Okay. So can you think of, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Is there anybody who you think you wouldn't recommend to be using a cane or trekking poles yet? Or who one might be more appropriate for one person than another person? Well, a couple different things, right? So practically speaking, right? Because everybody always takes what I say and it's like, coach T says this and I either agree with it or I don't agree with it. So I'm going to yell about it or I agree with it. So then I'm going to yell at you because like, whatever. So there's optimal setup and then there's always 
freedom within that setup. Okay. Because of life. Yeah. So let's say like, so ideally like someone like you, if you're going to go shopping, you get your trekking poles out and the best bag of choice for you as a woman would be a backpack. Yeah. Because that is symmetrical too. If you do a shoulder strap or you do a side or you do a side sling purse, that could throw you off based on actually it could throw you off no matter how light that bag is because there is load asymmetrically on that side. Guilty. If that, if, yeah. If that's all you got, that's all you got because we, you got to look cute too when you go out. Right. But <laughs> like, I just, stop. <laughs> I, yeah, I just bought Misty a super cute backpack for Christmas that she loves. Right. But if you have a backpack on and you have your trekking poles, right. You can still look cute. You can still look feminine or dude. You can still look like you're like an army ranger walking through whatever, or a mountaineer that creates symmetry in the body as you move. Now, with that said, are situations where like if you're going to the store or you have a child or something like that, then one trekking pole is better than not using anything. Okay. If you try to go unassisted while you're doing all this stuff, then that's pretty difficult, right? Even, even yeah. if you're doing something like going to the store or you have a child that you have to carry or that needs to be carried, like use a cane, use a pole. I'm cool with that. Because it's better than putting A, yourself at risk, B, your child at risk, or C, flooding your threat bucket so much that you have a flare up for the next two days because you were trying to conform to the MS gym, but then, oh my gosh, I have all this other stuff happening, right? So there's situations that arise where you have to use a cane or you have to use a pole. That's totally understandable. That's life. But when you're practicing walking, like full out, I'm going to go for a walk today. This is my walking practice four points of contact on that quadruped position with poles and feet is the best thing that you can possibly do. Okay. Now with that said, Brooke asked me like, so who should use trekking poles and who should. So if you are someone who kind of has some, you know, some MS symptoms and you cut, you have a wheelie walker or a rollator um, and then you have trekking poles as well. You need to make the determination on, are you actually, have you actually owned the movement pattern of walking with trekking poles, right? And this is no offense to anybody, but you've got to check your ego because it is way more beneficial to take your wheelie walker out and use that to do your errands or go to a party or go to the movie theater or whatever and practice walking well because your brain feels safe with that walker versus trying to use trekking poles or use a cane because you don't want to draw attention to yourself. And that is a massive neurologic, uh, like red signal warning sign going off that could possibly flare you up for the next two to three days. Okay. Because a wheelie walker, you guys have got to understand there's four wheels on a wheelie walker and your two feet. So now you go to a six point of contact. Yeah. So you're starting to turn into an 18 wheeler, man, right? So you're going from you're going from a bipedal organism to a six-legged like ant, right? <laughs> so they have they're really stable, right? Because that walker stands out in front of you, and so your center of mass becomes has more depth to it. Yeah. So then your 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 body is actually almost in a square, and so your brain has way more points of contact. Yeah. So if you're on a wheelie walker and you still are, are really finding yourself leaning very heavy on that wheelie walker with your, your hips pushed back, with your hips arched, dragging your feet, swinging your leg around, dragging your toes, 
You are not ready for trekking poles. You're not. Okay. Okay. You have got to use, it's very wise and it's very smart when you're training, when you're doing your walking practice, whether it's inside, outside, whatever, to use a wheelie walker until you can get to the point where you are absolutely upright. You are absolutely vertical with your ear, your shoulder, your hip, your knee, and your ankle all in one line with no leaning, very little, very little pressure on your hands and your wrists, no shrugging of the shoulders, no head jutted forward, um, like where you're actually using that trekking pole as a mobile balance station and you're actually walking with the walker instead of leaning on the walker. Yeah. That's the determining factor. If you put more than 50, per, I would say actually probably more than 30% of your weight on that walker as you're walking, you have got to get to 60, 70% of using your own body weight before I would say go and use trekking poles. It's better to be safe than to create that pattern and reinforce that pattern that walking is dangerous in your brain. You know? That's interesting. I would not have thought that. I would have thought you would have gone trekking poles to walker or rollator. Yeah, rather than I've, the other way around. Well, and the reason why is because the amount of play in those uh, in those yeah. trekking poles, because they can move 360 degrees all yeah. over the place. And it's a very small point of contact when you hit the floor. Basically, a wheelie walker or a rollator, like it goes one direction until you tell it to turn. And it's kind of, like I said, it's like an 18 wheeler or like a bus. When it turns, it takes a while to turn and the turning radius is pretty big. So it intentionally slows you down. So as you change directions, things don't happen too quickly for your brain and you fall. Yeah. If you're on trekking poles with smaller points of contact and all of a sudden you have to change direction. Yeah. That's a, that, that can happen really quickly and you don't have as much base of support. It's kind of like a snowshoe on snow. You wear a snowshoe to expand the amount of surface area that your body weight is distributed over. So you don't sink into the snow. Well, the same thing is here. A rollator takes your center of mass and spreads it over a bigger surface area. So you have more control versus yeah. trekking poles. You're still quadruped, but you have smaller mm. points of contact. So there's a lot more variability in things that can happen from a mechanical and a physical standpoint. And there, like, there's definitely a technique required, like Absolutely. a technique for turning, whether it's just turning directions, turning around. It, and I've gotten better with it over time. But when I first started using them, anytime I wanted to, to change directions or do whatever, I had to come to a dead stop, think about it, then move. If now I'm move. <laughs> yeah. now, right, right. Now yeah. I'm like twirling around like a, well, not like a ballerina, but <laughs> right. wouldn't that be right. good? <laughs> I would. I want to see that. There you go. <laughs> okay. Um, when using a cane, a single cane or a single trekking pole, which hand should you be holding it in based say, on wherever your problem is? Kind of depends on the activity that you're doing, right? Okay. So a trekking pole is there to help your brain feel safer, right? So if you are like what I just said is that, uh, you know, if you're out at the store and, and you're shopping and you've got to take things off of a shelf and move it back, if this is your good hand and you feel strong with this, then put that trekking pole in your Maybe that's your MS, uh, your MS affected or your MS healing hand, as we call it. You might have to use that wrist strap, lock yourself in, and then reach forward. And that becomes your balance pull as yeah. you're reaching forward and back. Because reaching takes you off center. 
whether your head goes forward or whether just your arm goes forward, it still takes you off center and your brain still has to counteract that arm going forward because if it doesn't, you will fall. If you're, if you're doing something where you are reaching, I would say grab that trekking pole with your MS affected hand, use your good hand that you feel really safe with to do your activity so that it's not as threatening to the brain. Okay. Now, if you're talking about walking practice, let's say uh, holding that pole in, in a hand that is very spastic, that it's, it's not real stable, that it feels weak, you might want to hold your pole in that stronger hand, the more quote unquote normal hand to do your walking practice. If you cannot use the other side very well, because again, the goal is to lower threat in your nervous system, to increase safety and confidence and assuredness so that you can focus on what you want to do and not worry so much about, am I going to fall? So the, my answer is it's variable based on the activity you're doing. And I would also venture to say, if you are someone who like absolutely is like, dude, I can only use one, like absolutely. Then you need to use, you need to practice that thing with both in your right hand and in your left hand, because what if you get caught somewhere where you have to shift that pole really quickly, your brain has got to know what to do in that situation. Otherwise that can be really dangerous. Interesting. That sense? That's, yeah. that's good. Oh, it makes total sense because I always take two when I'm out in public. And when I, like, I can picture myself doing exactly what you're talking about. I always, I have two, so I'll take both of them. If I'm reaching for something on a shelf, I take them both and I can, it just so happens I can wrap my hand around two. Yeah. Yeah. I hold the two together, grab it, put it back, then take the other one back again. Absolutely. And, and that's a great technique. And another thing you say about reaching, I think people don't, well, let's just say the able-bodied community don't realize just how much reaching is a big deal. For instance, in my closet, I purposely put clothes higher so I could fit more in. I could have mm -hmm. two racks. Well, the one is so high every single time. I, and in the house, I don't use any, uh, I don't use trekking poles or anything. Do you know how many times well, I know at least one time I've fallen straight into the clothes because <laughs> right. when I reach up with the hanger, it, you know, same thing when I'm reaching up to move the shower curtain over. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're reaching up like this, you know, you fall forward. I always have to catch my balance, you know, mm -hmm. little things like that, that most people yeah. don't have to think about. Well, and um, think about it too, what you just said. So if you start reaching, so imagine a, you're holding a bowling ball in your hand with like a handle on it. Right. Yeah. So if you, if you put that, if you put that bowling ball out in, in front of you and it's a, a really low, you can kind of handle that. Right. Because your whole body's kind of supporting that. Then yeah. you start, if you bring that, that handle with that, or like a kettlebell, right. That, that kettlebell with the, a ball with a handle on it, or if you're holding a bowling ball in your hand and you bring it up to chest height, that's a lot heavier, but it's still yeah. like, okay, like I can kind of control that. Imagine lifting that thing all the way above your head. So the more yeah. and more that you lift a ball up, there is more what's called potential kinetic energy of gravity because you're raising it up higher. There is more demand on you as you raise your arm up and you reach. So for people and like all houses have very, they're all very vertical. All shelving is vertical for yeah. a reason, right? It saves yep. space, but the more and more and more higher that you get, the, the, the more demand it is on your body from a balance standpoint to go reach yeah. for that. So most yeah. falls happen when that arm is, gets above 
uh, shoulder height, once it starts to get above there, we got a problem. Have good vestibular function, visual function, spinal cord function, deep core activation, gluteal activation, and proprioception going into your feet. Because at that yeah. point, you got to grip the ground. Yeah. <laughs> right? So yeah. So your technique of slipping that, that those two canes into that hand, as you reach and using that as a balance pole, as you do your thing, that's, that's what you guys need to be doing. And you're right. Able-bodied people take that so for granted. You know what you're missing until you don't have it. Right. And then it feels like you're trapped in this dysfunctional body. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So can you tell me within the MS gym membership, okay, mm -hmm. are there specific programs or movement plans that are specific to cane and trekking pole use? There are. Yeah. Um, at the present time, like there's some stuff that I'm updating. I spent the whole, like I said, the whole last year updating like the main programs inside the MS gym uh, membership programs. Uh, we're also adding more free content. Like I actually just finished a project last week uh, where we're going to be releasing more free content. And we actually have a section of our, of our membership called life skills, where I discuss this. Like I have, uh, I'm looking at this right now. Like I have videos of six minutes, seven minutes, 11 minutes, uh, another seven minutes that specifically go over walking with trekking poles, you know, using a trekking pole versus a cane when to transition from a wheelie walker to trekking poles, like everything that we just talked about in this interview is in the membership. And what oh. we're going to be doing is my team and I are going to be kind of auditing all that stuff. And inside a lot of the free products that are going to be coming out, the free programs for things like foot drop and spasticity and balance and all that, we're going to, we're going to put some of these life skills in those programs. So they're all combined for all of our members to use. And that's part of what they pay for, but we're going to extract little pieces of that that are very pertinent and appropriate for the mobility level of the free programs that are coming out so that you guys can get educated about this as you are practicing all of your new movement skills that I'm, that I'm coaching you on. That's awesome. So if you were, let's say somebody's new to canes or trekking poles, mm -hmm. but they, they need something like they're at the point where it's no longer safe to not use them. Mm -hmm. In particular, outside the home, because, you know, we all in the house, we're all furniture surfers and <laughs> wall walkers. And, you know, yeah. we do whatever we have to do so we don't have to use an aid in the house if we don't have to. Right. Um, whether it's pride or just we don't feel like it. Mm -hmm. Is there one device that you favor more than the other? Well, and I, I hate versus to put, trekking poles? I, okay, yes. Oh, and trekking I'm poles not saying, I'm, what, what's that? Trekking poles, hands down. Okay. Yeah. All right. Like I would, if, if you're someone who is affected by MS symptoms on a daily basis and, you know, at least a couple times a month, you have one of those days where you're just like, I'm just off today, but I still got to live my life. Or you're a mom that is taking care of kids or you're a, or you're a man that's still working or a woman that's still working, or you still, you're very active like Brooke is or something like that. I definitely would invest in a wheelie walker, which like on Amazon, you can get the, like, I, I have a drive one. There's a bunch of other brands, but like, they're like, they're $60 us, you know I mean? It's not yeah. inexpensive, but it's an investment. They will last a while, like, unless you beat them up, but I would have a walker and I would also have trekking poles. If your if your symptoms are the point where you're like, most days I can, I can move pretty well. 
There are some days when I'm a little off. That's a trekking pole day. And then there's days when you're like, oh my gosh, like I just saw my in-laws all weekend or I saw my ex and I'm super stressed out. And <gasps> these next two days are just going to suck. That's a, that's a wheelie walker day. And it's not that you're getting worse. It's just, you're having passion right. on your brain, on yourself, on your nervous system saying, look, buddy, like, I love you brain. I love you. I know we've had a rough couple days. Let's just chill out. Let's get back on track. We know this happened. I'm going to have self-compassion with myself. Let's give you a safer environment to work in so that two days from now we can get back to who we normally are. I'll tell you, you, you brought up a good point there because here's what I know. I know when I went from using one trekking pole to two, which was the smartest thing I ever could have done. Mm -hmm. My first thought was people are going to think I'm worse. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, now she's using two trekking poles. When in fact, I wasn't getting worse. I was getting smarter. Yep. So the thought of, you know, and in this conversation, you saying starting with a, a, a rollator or what I, my first thought is, well, if I go from two trekking poles to a walker, people are going to think I'm even worse, mm -hmm. you know, and number yeah. one, you can't control what other people think. Correct. Because no matter what, and you can't stop at every person who might question them and educate them. Sometimes you just don't have time. Mm -hmm. You've got to, you've got to kind of get rid of that stigma in your mind and say, this is my freedom device. You know, this is my, this is my ticket to living my life without having to sit in my house all day. Yeah. It's independent. You know? Yes. This is mm -hmm. my independence. So it's interesting that you bring that because that is exactly what I thought. I thought I'm going to start using two of these and people are going to be like, wow, she needs two now. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because I was not so wise only using one in the past. Right. So, well, and you didn't know. I mean, yeah, I did. Like, I'm not that bad. I'll just need then one. Came just in case. Then, then came you. Then came you. Then came me. <laughs> right. But, and, and that's, and it is, you know, there's a very real conversation that, that needs to continually be, be had about, I don't know, just the, the mental like battle that constantly goes on with things that affect your ableness and your ability to look normal, act normal, do normal things yeah. because it, it's, it sucks. And it's hard to, it's just, it's traumatizing. Like to be, let's be honest. Like you're not constantly in a state of trauma. I don't ever want people to live as a, as a victim because that's not healthy. But yeah. at some point you're like, you know what? Like what's going on with me? I, I kind of got to check my pride because it's only going to hurt me. Yeah. And I've got to chill out. Like I've had that happen. Like I'm a driver. Like I'm sure you guys can tell I've just go. I yeah. am a driver and I've been hardwired and software and softwired into that's how I feel successful. And when I can't drive and I can't attack and I can't grind prior to the past year and a half, I would literally self punish myself. I would just be like, what is wrong with you? You're so weak. You're not, you're just broken. Like blah, 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 blah. Because it's, it's like, I just, it's like, I just bullied myself. Right. Yeah. And over the past year and a half, I've really mm. had to allow myself to, and, and, and practice self-compassion, self-awareness, partnering with my nervous system, because, you know, using the stuff I've done in the MS gym, I built up to where I could barely walk two minutes on a treadmill, holding onto the railings, not to fall because my foot drop 
my legs, my spine were so bad from, from Lyme disease. Like I literally wanted to die. Like I, I am like, I'm just a burden to everybody. I've come from that to, you know, doing deadlifting again with almost 300 pounds, five sets of 20. Right. So I have both of those capabilities in my head, but there's some days I still have issues because of Lyme disease that attacked all my joints and my spinal cord and my vestibular system. That my brain is either processing, it's tired, it's making some kind of learning, or maybe it's just asking me for a break that I will back off a hundred to 200 pounds and just focus on feeling good, moving my body, whatever. And I've had to learn how to not be that ego dude who has to keep pushing and outworking and outperforming and out this, out this, out this, and find a rhythm and a flow with my body. Yeah. If you can find that homeostatic balance and that rhythm between your fight or flight sympathetic, I got to get it done or else, and your parasympathetic, I'm in rhythm and flow and harmony and in symphony with my body, and you can flow in between those, meaning life becomes threatening. And when your global life becomes less threatening, your symptoms become less, uh, less severe, less frequent and last way or way shorter. Like your duration goes down a ton. Right. Right. And so Brooke makes a good point. You make a good point where you're like, I can't control how people think. And honestly, when you think about whose opinions really matter, even the person closest to you, whether it's your spouse or your kids or your parents or it, they, it doesn't matter as long as you know that you're doing what's right for you on that day. And you can stand firm in that with confidence and assuredness and self-compassion and partnership there, you are doing nothing wrong. You're actually getting better with that kind of self-awareness and mindfulness than 99% of the population. And what's better for you is better for those other people, you know, especially those people who are you're living with and, and with all the time, whether it's coworkers or whatever, the better you are, the better their life. I mean, it's, it's good all around. Yes. Cause if you push it, if you push it past your neural edge ju- and, and use one col- one pole or, or use your cane or try to walk unassisted and you, you flood your, br- your body with warning signals, you may be on your back for the next two days. And then your caregivers and your care partners that just t- quadrupled their workload. Right. It trickles they- down to them. Absolutely. And, and, and make no mistake, like when Misty and I set out, my wife Misty and I set out with a vision to like set a million people free from this stuff. We weren't just thinking about the direct gymmers that we're working with. It's the, the wives, the husbands, the kids, the parents, the siblings, the coworkers, the, the, the communities, like whatever, right? right? Because if people are invested in your life and they're with you and they're, and they're caring for you and they're, they're, they're doing life with you to watch you suffer. Right. Is so hard on them. Right. Right. And that's not to say don't tell them, but that's just to be like, when they see you suffering, it's like, oh, or when your care partner has to step up their game to help you because you're having a flare up as another human being, like that messes you up. I watched Misty yeah. suffer when I was falling apart. She, yeah. had to, she had to triple her workload as a mom and a wife because I couldn't do anything. So yeah, this, and this is, a, see, this is cool stuff that we can talk about on a podcast. Oh, right? I know. Yeah, I know. I, I love these topics because well, now the, we will. Yeah. They're the unspoken, <laughs> the unspoken oh, battles. Yeah. 
I like to talk about what they, what, what everybody's thinking and talking about behind the scenes, but never talking out loud. Right. And, and it's, there's no shame in you having mental health struggles because you have MS. It is a brutal, torturous process. Yeah. Right. But it can also be one of the most rewarding, self-actualizing and like cool processes, seeing what you're actually really made of and, and creating this new community and life and awareness of yourself. And you get to do cool stuff like Brooke, you and I would never have met and you would never be doing what you're doing. Had you not intersected MS, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a gift of the disease. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And some days that's all you got to focus on, right? Yeah. Well, Trevor, thank you so, so much for coming on. You know, even I learn so much as everybody does every time you open your mouth. So I'm thrilled to share this. I think we might even have to make this into two episodes. I don't know. There we go. Yeah, we um, went a little long. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, no. That, no. Love all the information. So uh, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. You're you welcome. are the best. <laughs> and so we, I, I, as I said, I'm going to hold you to that and uh, we'll have you back sometime soon. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. All right, everybody. We'll see you later. If you'd like to know more about the MS Gym, you can find them at themsgym.com, on Instagram, and on Facebook. If you'd like to know more about what I've been up to lately, you can find me on Instagram and at brookslick.com. We'll see you on the next episode.